Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. folks thank you for tuning in to another episode of bucks of america podcast i am your host jeff vance thank you for tuning in here this podcast is pretty cool like i've been talking with austin here for weeks because he hit me up and we, we were both commenting on each other's uh proper all of our techniques and how we've grown and how we, we like each other's context because he i like the way he does his videos and it's like it's very well organized and very well thought out and that's what really attracted to me to his to his profile so i started deep diving and became addicted to it because it's like he always consistently puts out good content and in the way he explains it to you it, it understands that he comes from a teaching background and that's why that's where i came from too i like i've always been in a teaching role so it's going to be easy for us to have that nice conversation now austin has Tactical, tactical approach outdoors. Now he, his whole main focus is educating landowners about uh, QDMA, and then he, then everything else is just sugar on the top of it because he, he delivers a package. So this way, then he looks at your product or your your land differently than you would. But his whole thing is like he's looking for how we can improve on it without being majorly making any major changes. Because as an outdoorsman, we don't want to disrupt the wildlife in our area, we want to increase it and, and make it better. And that's where I, uh, Austin has really shined at. Now, he, he, this is going to be a fun story because well, before we hit record, he is a, a uh, trainer. And those who know, follow me on uh, Instagram on, and uh, watch my lives, I've been working out consistently. I've been shooting my, my bow just to kind of get my reps in so this way then I don't uh, build up any lactic acid and just kind of keep kicking ass, you know, like today's this today's episode we talked about mental health and that is way we need to focus on this stuff because we've we've seen issues and we need to continue continue increasing this because we all know that mental health plays a big role in us men and we don't always talk about it and that is what why we have the highest rate of suicides the highest rate of incarceration we have the highest rate of divorce and such so we need to we need to be open about this and not be shy about it because there's no such we don't need to be a man anymore we we need to be in touch with ourselves love ourselves because there are people that are that are affected by us that don't even know it yet so anyways austin i'm gonna i'm gonna dump, I'm, still, I'm gonna stop rambling on here but i'm gonna let austin take over and he's gonna talk about himself well thanks for having me on jeff i'm pretty pumped to chat with you you know we've been talking for the last couple of weeks so i've been looking forward to this so have i so go ahead and tell us like who you are like tell us the, the beginning of austin stone well, my name's Austin Stone. Um, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I started hunting. You know, my dad started taking me out when I was nine years old. I started carrying my own gun when I was 10. So been hunting for 20 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about that it's already been this long. Um, I'm a personal trainer, as, as we mentioned here, and I really enjoyed that. I come from kind of a instructing background with horse training and managing a barn and whatnot. So it's been fun to shift my, my business focus with tactical approach outdoors to being a, um, 
deer hunter education and instructing kind of bit business saw kind of a, a little bit of a, a gap in the industry where maybe, you know, adults weren't being um, focused on as much. There weren't as many programs, you know, online education available that you don't have to go to in person, but maybe you need a mentor, you know, that person that I grew up with, you know, my dad being my mentor and, you know, a lot of people that want to get started never had that mentor in person. So that's kind of why I wanted to move um, tactical approach to where it was uh, to, pre to help bridge that gap and provide someone that you can trust and go to as a mentor. Um, you know, th this past se season for me was by far a dream season, man. It's just, it was awesome. I hunted um, Iowa for the first time, um, shot a really nice eight point. I mean, he's, he's right, right there over my, my left sh shoulder and um, canoe access hunt, you know, um, that a week before that I shot at nine point who's over my right sh shoulder here again, a canoe access hunt. And, um, a month later, I ended up shooting my, my biggest buck to date, which is just a giant 170 inch 10 point. And all of them were self-filmed. All of them were archery hunts, public land. Everything I've hunted is, is public has been public land, you know, Occasionally, I'll have some access to private with some butt buddies, but man, it's been years since I've been on any kind of public, uh, private piece. So everything I do is is public, and I, I like the I like the challenge and the variety and the options that it gives me. Man, three bucks in one year—that is impressive, man. So you so you got one in Iowa, one in Missouri, one in Kansas, I assume. Um, two in Missouri, two in Missouri. Oh, yeah. so you, you can get two buck tags. All right. Yes, sir. So I shot my my nine point here i shot him middle of uh, middle of october um and then you know i can't use my second buck tag here in missouri until after gun season starts so i and that's actually i shot my my other buck my 170 in missouri the the week after opening weekend of of rifle so it was actually still during rifle season but i i had it on a an archery only property that i went to so that's pretty cool. Now, the only archery is that was that public or was that private? It's public. It's public. Really? I didn't yes, know that Missouri would allow to, to allocate certain properties for strictly archery. Yeah, th there's certain properties that actually have some special regulations on them. So that's where you get, if you do a lot, lot of your, your homework, you might be able to find a little bit of a hidden honey hole that maybe has some funny access or some funny regulations that, you know, may deter a lot of guys from go going to just because they're looking for something else and where i don't i don't mind at all you know dro dropping my gun and going to a bow so you know i'll take it if the deer are there i want to i want to go after them yeah i don't blame you it, it adds an element of tactile tactical approach to it now with all of your bucks and stuff like that with the the two missouri bucks were you since you're on private on private i can't speak to public so how did you scout for them? Because I know, I know for myself, I don't trust people when my trail cams are out there. So how did you do your scouting then? Did you feel ambitious enough to allow your cameras to sit out there? So I, I relied mostly on my um, postseason scouting. Actually, I had, I, it was a combination of postseason and in-season scouting. So what I had is I knew these locations 
were historically hot locations. I found the scrapes, the, the acorn trees, um, and the main trails and rubs in these particular areas. So I had an idea about where I needed to go anyways, and especially where I shot my 170. I hunted that a bit the year before, so I was able to kind of narrow my, my tree stand down to a big white oak that had a lot of converging movement on it and had multiple really big, the best scrapes on property, really. And what I did, did from there is I is I found what was fresh at that time. So like with, with my nine point here, I was having trouble picking up the scrapes at the beginning of October. They just weren't opening up yet. And where I ended up shooting him were some of the first scrapes that these bucks ended up opening opening up, you know, middle of October. So I ended up, I knew kind of where to go. I just needed to do a speed scouting trip, figure out what was fresh and I knew more than likely if I had a really significant sign with bedding cover and food cover that there's a really good chance that I had a pretty at a mature buck using that using that location. So and then I just waited for a cold front and and went in and made a hunt. So both both actually both Missouri bucks was a basically a one hunt and done trip. So I I, I didn't said so my 170 i didn't set foot on that property almost for a month and a half until i came in that week before found just a massive rubs massive rubs fresh scrapes i mean it was it was getting hit by something really nice and i had a cold front coming later that week so i got out of there came in for the cold front and i ended up shooting him you know that evening the cold front so basically both of those missouri bucks was a one sit and done Wow, that's pretty impressive that you utilized. Now, when you said the the scrapes opened up, now was that mean they were they were a brand new scrape, or were they were recently touched up, and that's why you chose that spot? Recently touched up. So the um, the the nine point early in October, those were brand new scrapes, just because it was so early in the season. But the year before, they had this corner tore up. So so historically, they've been using this particular bend in the river and so i knew that more than likely i'd find some scrapes there i just had to wait till that fresh sign opened up and then when it came to my 170 um the scrapes were there and they've been using them actively through the through october and in november there but um i had to figure out which ones were actually active you know you can tell that they you can tell when they just pawed up the ground and, you know, you've got some droppings around the area that are real fresh and you can just tell that they, they've recently used that scrape. That makes sense. So yeah. Do you have any, so you, your dad was the one that got you into hunting. So when did you move from gun to archery? Um, I started carrying a bow, I think when I was 13. So I started, I started shooting, you know, real young. I had a, a little, youth bow for a long time but um i didn't actually get my first hunting bow till about 13 so I, I carried a gun for three years before i i started carrying a bow and um it, it most of my hunting was still centered around that the typical rut time you know the uh, later october through november and as i got a little bit older especially as i got into my 20s i started branching out a little bit more and trying to do a little bit odd 
quote unquote odd t- time of the year hunting, you know, outside of the rut, learning these deer. And um, I shot my first wall hanger when I was 19. So obviously that kind of sparked a little bit of an addiction. <laughs> so yeah, it's been ended. So I've been hunting the bow hunting for about 17 years now, if you count that. That's kind of crazy. Wow, that's pretty that's that's nice. I only have uh see I shot this guy in 2017 and I only started bow hunting in 2015. So I'll, I'm pr- fairly new to the whole aspect of it, but I really gotten really enjoyed it. Like last year I shot a doe and uh that was it. But I had one of the most memorable seasons out there. I mean, I had a, a six point. Him and I had a conversation for for about fifty minutes because it's like he, I had a, I have a ghost blind. It threw him off when he got within seven yards of it because he saw he, he saw another deer, but he really was he saw himself. Then I had a I had one spot where I picked up where I had saw I saw five bucks between a forky to a basket eight, but they were they were like that 30 to 40 yard range out there. Like, and there's a lot of uh, zigzags. To that. So it's like, well, I'm not going to try to pull the shot off with a bow, but I mean, it's just so much fun just to be out there and be in the ground because now you're eye level with them and being on public land. I like just about, because I get bored one spot. I'm going to move to another area just because it's like, cause I'll start in the morning. And then it's like, when I know everything's kind of calmed down, I don't want to have any more movement. I'll move to another piece of the property or move into higher up the bluffs. Cause here in Wisconsin, we got the bluff country. So it's, it definitely throws your loop. And if you play it right, especially with how the wind's working, you can, you can set up above that trail and you can shoot down from them. So I have a couple of spots where I saw a nice uh, basket eight last year that I hope he's still around, but nobody where I hunt, I have a couple of properties in public that nobody hunts early season. So my goal is to be able to get there before everybody else does and hopefully capitalize on a doe or on a buck, because I set on this fence line we're between public and private, but he beds in private eats on public. Isn't it funny how they, they know, man, they just know where they need a bed. And it's way too many times I've noticed it just barely off of public, just barely. Now, do you, you're, you're talking, sounds like you do a lot of solo hunting. So do you hang out with any of your friends from high school that still bow hunt? Or have you, uh, do you go out and do not necessarily party hunt, but kind of group hunt with the bows? Um, not a lot. My, my brother hunts with me quite a bit. So, you know, usually during bow season, if I'm not hunting solo, I'm usually hunting with him. Um, we do have a bunch of buddies that get together, you know, opening weekend of rifle here in Missouri. We have a big deer camp that we do there. Um, I ha- I don't have a big group of guys built up around bow hunting yet, which is something, you know, I'd like to work into as I build connections, you know, make friends like yourself throughout the years and all, and maybe build a, a cool little deer camp around bow hunting as well. So definitely because bow hunting like bow hunting deer camp is like it's not really that common because everybody does the gun hunting but bow hunting is like it's a whole other ball it's a whole different prospect because you live in that in missouri there's there's got to be some pieces that are 80 to 100 plus acres of land where you guys can all disperse in different parts of it and hopefully come back with some uh, with some deer some venison yeah absolutely there is we got some big properties actually here in missouri it's there the mdc does a great job about you know planting and making the the properties um real easy to access and they like manicuring the properties which for me that makes it very difficult because i'm willing to work a lot harder so finding those property those spots that are harder to get to can actually be a little tricky because the mdc does such a good job about manicuring and mowing 
and planning and you know you got parking lots and road access almost everywhere so you don't there's not a lot of areas that we have that you truly have to work really hard to get to so it gets kind of tricky and you kind of got to think outside the box when it comes to that but like our deer camp in Missouri in opening weekend a rifle that's just like you were saying that's the fun part about it you know it's a 7,000 acre property that we're on and you know we get 12 to 13 guys in camp and you know th throughout the day you start getting a text hey so-and-so shot something hey someone's got something big down i can't wait to get to camp later and see what he looks like you know that is pretty exciting i i don't miss gun camp uh because i i've I have a due to a hunting accident years ago, I, I have a bad ear. So it's like, I tend not to go on hunt because it's like, it just, I know how it deteriorates and I just, I like to keep my earring the best it can be. So it's like, I tend to just to bow hunt. And plus it's low, I'm at my own pace when it comes down to when I'm group hunting, you have to go out for a thing like that. But uh, I, I last year, I, I got my roommate into bow hunting, but he's, he, he's got some uh, personal issues that he needs to so, sort out. So it's between him and God to, to work all those out, but it'd be great to have him, back out hunting because man him and i sat together oh well over close to a dozen times in different properties around wisconsin because it was first time ever living living up here and he got a chance to put a couple of shots on him but he he, he didn't uh he thought he could pull it off because but it's like he didn't uh he just he rushed the shot and such the whole you know how it goes when you're when you're new to the whole process so i want to i want to take take a, a moment in there so when how did you get into raising or training horses and training people how to use horses you know i had uh, a buddy of mine in high school that um his family actually had horses so that's kind of how i got introduced into horses you know we've always been we had family you know that owned farms and you know i've always been in the woods camp camping and hunting and been active in the outdoors and then when i had a buck you know my buddy actually introduced me to the horses do some riding and help with kids rodeos and and stuff like that it just kind of set in a, a passion of mine and i knew that that's something i wanted to to do and to pursue and um I got a job at this barn that I ended up managing a couple of years later, but I got a job at this barn, you know, cleaning stalls, working with the horses and learned, you know, got to build up my um, skills and as a horseman and all, and start working with a lot of different horses and clients and the borders and all were a lot of fun to talk with and help with along the way. And um, along that process, I actually got, on a internship in Alberta, Canada with a horse trainer. So I actually no kidding. Went, yeah. So I actually went to Montana for a summer where the uh, this particular horse trainer was, was at, I spent the summer with him. And one of those months, um, we actually went up to Alberta to this quarter horse ranch and man, we, every day for 30 days, we rode, you know, anywhere from three to six horses a day. And I mean, it was just some of the, the smartest and most most athletic horses I've ever had the privilege of actually working with and just amazing horses. And, you know, on his ranch, he owned thousands of acres in the mountains in Montana. You know, we ride, ride the horses and work cattle up in the mountains during the summer. And it was great too. Um, he was actually an outfitter an elk and bear hunting outfitter as well. So he did that on top of the horses, and it made for a cool um, experience up there that summer. 
and that, that is, that's really, mm-hmm. that's really where I learned most of the horsemanship. And then I just came home and took it from there. That's pretty cool. So then, how long how long were you in that career for? Oh, five years, five or six years. I was d- doing that. And so, you know, you, before we hit, before I hit record, you're talking about hip issues. So that were you thrown from horses often or something, or was it just because of the, how the rhythm works? So I was thrown from, a, from multiple horses, you know, horse training, it can get kind of, kind of Western on you. So I actually uh, separated my shoulder a couple of times doing get being thrown. Um, but the hip issues, um, that, that was a, a degenerative bone issue actually so that that was kind of a genetic thing that progressively got worse through the years and and it got to the point where i couldn't even get in the saddle anymore so it kind of sucked yeah but the pounding of sometimes that saddle hurt more staying on the horse hurt more than hitting the ground just that saddle will beat the tar out of you sometimes that yeah that makes complete sense i see um, my dad, when he was growing up in the in the fifties and sixties and stuff, they were they were they had a, they were equestrians. They had a bunch of horses, but all of their horses were workhorses. I mean, they didn't have uh, tractors, and so they they plowed and tilled everything with with big old Clydesdales and such. And then as as they got a little bit older and they could actually manage things, they eventually got a uh, um, some tractors and stuff like that. But yeah, for a lot of, for a lot of his youth, that's what they did. So by the time I came around, they've already sold the farm. My grandpa already passed away. So it's like, that was, that was the end of that type aspect. It was kind of frustrating. It's like worked all his life on the farm, built it up to two over 200 acres, sold it. And he died within like 18 months or something like that. It was just, it just, it's, it's just amazing how fast that acceleration went. Yeah, absolutely. So now after you got into, after you finished your career with being in horses and you got into personal training. So what, what, motivated you to get into that what was the catalyst for that so um you know gr- growing up going through high school and all i i played sports you know i was into fitness and i liked staying strong and a- active and and um being in good shape and all and through the injuries i got through horses it kind of kept me away from the gym a l- little bit and unfortunately lo- lost a lot so after i got done with that Got everything fixed injuries wise. I, I knew I needed to get back in the gym. I need to get stronger, put some muscle back on and and build build my physique back up to where it needed to be and um and also strength wise. But uh, I gotten became friends with the personal trainer at the gym I was working out at. And we just started ta- talking and you know, I'd talk about the stuff that I know, some of my, what I'm doing, my planning and nutrition and whatnot and and he got he eventually asked me he's like hey you ever thought about actually being a personal trainer he's like you you know know what you're doing is that do you hey you ever thought of, thought about doing this like well you know hadn't really thought about it before but you know i'm kind of interested now so you know i just did did some research and figured out that maybe something i wanted to go do and started taking classes got certified and then he helped me get on with a a stellar studio gym that I'm working out currently. I've been there five years, over five years now. So at this particular gym is, it's a good, it's a great spot, great community that they've built around it. Have you ever checked out uh, Brian Austin stuff with uh, beast mode archery games or challenges? I- I've looked at some of it is stuff and man, it I'm, I'm interested in doing that. It looks like a lot of fun. 
you it, one of those things where if you wanted to you should almost ask him or have a, like a conversation like we're doing right now and, and find out if if there's a way to if you'd be willing to work with you but also but start something down there because you, you can now incorporate fitness and archery all the same thing because i've gone to his events and stuff like that and there are no joke it's like he'll let you know how fast you how out of shape you are real quick but there but he is he is vindictive about it because the burpees the box jumps all that fun stuff and he really knows what he's doing with it because it's like everybody that goes through his training and then turn around goes on an elk hunt it's worth every penny and i don't know if that would be a market for you down there but it's like i tell you what it's a lot of fun it definitely really kind of puts your your mindset in that perspective doing it because he sets it up to where you could be going over hills going on downhills going over objects and stuff like that so it really kind of puts into your mind but also carrying a pack and then let's say you have to scurry up a hill because it's like you need to intersect a big animal so it's like you need to get there real quick and then then on top of it you're huffing and puffing and then you gotta draw back i tell you what man it's like you you really really see your accuracy like really come down when your heart beats really uh pumping and just that blood is rushing no that that looks like a lot like a lot of fun i like how that's put together and you know being a public land hunter you know i walk a lot i put a lot of work in through the years and through the that fall and not only the fall but you know spring you know so staying in shape to me is crucial to my success and not only to actually harvest that animal but then you got to get them out so so you know I, i'm the kind of guy that if the deer's there i'm gonna go get him and then i'll figure out how to get him out after that <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah actually that would be interesting to talk about i bet there would be probably a market for that down here there's quite a big um, fitness market down here and obviously archery as well. Yeah. Cause the nice thing is like he, uh, well, the way he, he's, 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 he did the same thing to you. He, he worked his way up and developed a nice clientele. And it's just kind of, kind of with the process of, of uh, moving forward, it just kind of worked out together. So if you can find a spot where you can, even if you like, I don't know about like, for a couple examples here in Minnesota, they actually have archery stops. Like they have field, they have a place where you can actually go shoot out in public uh, and they have bags and all stuff like that put up. By, it's all free. You just show up and shoot. Do they have anything like that in your area? Yeah, we have 3d ranges kind of set up around. Um, the, I don't know a whole bunch of them around the, say the Kansas city area where, where I'm at, but I know they're around. I know one particular for sure. It's ran by the, conservation department and it's just a free range um there's multiple other ranges that are just lanes you know the 20 30 40 um, lanes and um i'd have to do some looking to see what else is available for the 3d shoots but there is some stuff some ranges available for sure because this could be a, a very easy segue to moving moving into something like that because now you already have a, a place to do it if you charge whatever you can do, but then you can just take and reinvest that into into, into uh, targets and stuff like from Reinhardt or Merrill or whatever. Uh, you can always check out like um, huntinggeardeals.com. Uh, Cameron Sto Cam Stouffer always has good deals on there, so you can always wait and go from there. So it's always a way to do it, but I would talk to the master first because then he could teach you how to like figure out what the marketing is, how you can build up from it there, and like what are good techniques because it's like you may have your idea for it but it's better to talk to a master because this way then you could you could skip all the trial and error oh absolutely absolutely i mean it i i know the importance of having a good mentor and man that's something i've always strived to try to find is that somebody that can help you you know help me progress 
in the correct manner because I know, you know, the worst thing I can, I had when training horses was a horse that already had bad habits. And, you know, the, the young horses were so incredibly easier to work with than an older horse because the, the young horse didn't, hadn't had a chance to have form those bad habits yet. So it's like, they were already at zero. Now I could progress them past it where some of those little bit, you know, the 10, 12 year old horse that's been worked with for a little bit, but not great. You know, I had to get them to zero and then progress. So it's like, I had to work out all those bad habits and get to zero and then progress. And that's something that I've tried for myself to keep me from doing was get into too many bad habits, you know, learn it the right way first. And that that's also something that, you know, I want to pass down to as much as I can, you know, I got my knowledge from somebody else, you know, if I can help pass that down and help somebody where I was at that point, at, you know, at one point too. So. Now I've gone, because what, what his experience, like I've gone to with his going to his events, some of like that, all the people that are there, they're loyal, they're hardworking and they treat you. They, they, it's like, they all struggle. They all been there. So whether you're a beginner or an expert, it's like, they, they're a very welcoming crew. And it's very nice to see that type of camaraderie and such. And right now it's like, he, he does uh, scrambles on Fridays. And it's like, I, I went to one last year, but I, I now do another, like I talked to you before, I do another podcast on Friday. So that, that kind of pulls out, but uh, in the end of July, he's got his King of the Hill 3D and he's expecting like 350, 450 people there. So it's going to be quite the thing because he, he learned from last year and this year he's going to, he's adding in another course and it's going to have its own atmosphere. It's got its prizes and all that fun stuff. So I know it's kind of a bit of a drive for you, but if you're able to get up here, it's, it's, it's worth the trip. Now you're, you have, do you have kids by chance? I don't, I don't. Okay. Wife or girlfriend? I got a girlfriend, but no wife yet. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. No, just, <laughs> okay i got you what about uh now has she gotten shown any interest to archery yet um not much she she you know she supports me with everything i do and and she she's that person says you know go do it you know i know you gotta you, you've got a dream that you're chasing and you got a passion for it and she she pushes me to go do more so it's kind of nice you know we do have a lot of things that we share in common, you know, with the outdoors and camping and, and whatnot. And then, um, she just lets me go do, do my thing when it comes to hunting and archery. So that's pretty cool. It's nice to have a nurturing person like that. My wife is just like that. I, I get to like, I'm going to the, the beast mode, the 3d archery shoot. I go down to Iowa. I, I travel all over the place, stuff like that, but it's like, it's nice to have something that's very encouraging and pushes you for, because then it's like, they know that if like, if you, remain persistent, consistent, determined. I mean, there's going to be a lot of rewards at the very end of it all. Have you had a chance? Like I've been doing a lot of like self-development, like I've always been doing self-development, but one of the books that I've been holding off reading for a long time is Think and Grow Rich. Have you had a chance to crack that book open yet? I haven't yet. Uh-uh. You really should because it will definitely um, focus everything because the book was written in 1937 and Napoleon Hill had the opportunity to interview over 500 mil millionaires at that particular time, like Carnegie being one of them, Rockefeller being another one, Thomas Edison. And it's only like the audiobook portion is only six hours long. But otherwise, the book is like the 12 chapters and a little over 300 pages right around that mark. But each chapter, uh, the first two chapters are very powerful. They, they have you write down lists, have you clear cut goals and such. And like today, I re listened to um, 
chapter nine, which is all about persistence. And it's one of those things where it's where the way the speaker breaks it down, where they talk about the examples of Ford, because Ford is very persistent, very quick to very decisive. And a lot of people always construe that as very heartless and ruthless type thing. But that's the thing is like he, 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 when you put all those things together, they all add up for good building blocks. And I think that could be if you're starting a business or if you don't know what you want to do, but it's like, it's a good way to learn and think and grow rich is very powerful and underrated. Yeah. I want to look that up. That sounds like a good book. I'm, I'm such a mindset guy. I mean, everything revolves around your mindset. You know, and be, being a, a fitness trainer, you know, it's the discipline and the persistence. Just like you said, you kept coming back to persistence. Everything I do is is all about consistency and, you know, keep pushing for your goals. You know, it's nothing happens overnight. And we live in an age now where everybody wants everything right now. You know, everything's so fast and we have to remember that in the basics, we have to be patient, be consistent with what, what we do. And, you know, if you can't compare your, your progress to another person's progress, you know, who knows what kind of, of head start they got or, or they just hit a button just right that, you know, it clicked for them. And, you know, you just have to keep pushing forward and keep a positive mindset. And that's where, you have to surround yourself. It's so important surrounding yourself with people that are going to do nothing but encourage you and then keep pushing you for those goals. You know, your, your wife pushing you, um, my girlfriend put pushing me, you know, keep doing your thing. And eventually something's going to show that progress is going to have something to show for it. And, you know, even if it is changed just a little bit, you know, maybe you're not on the exact path you thought you were going on, but you're slightly off. I mean, you're still there. You're still reaching goals and, and you're moving forward and creating a better self really. Oh yeah. hundred percent. That's where I wanted. Uh, and then like we were talking about having the right people around you chapter 10 is about a mastermind group and it's, and it's having people around you that you can go to for asking questions. And this way, then they can at least point you in the right direction. Luckily for us, like when the book was written in 37, you needed to have a, a good core group of people nowadays. It's like, they can at least point you to somebody like, well, I know a little bit, but I'm gonna get you somebody that that's, that's a system, a subject matter expert in what you're looking for, especially like you're trying to do a 501c3 or if you're trying to build an LLC, there's, there's ways there's, there's people out there that can help you get to that goal. That's the best part about the internet these days. There's no reason for you not to be making money. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like, you know, we, we talk about all the net negatives that have come through the digital age and social media and all, but what positives have come from it? You, you know, you, you and I wouldn't be connecting and talk, talking like this, you know, not too long ago, you know, just because we didn't have it available to, to us. And if you use your platforms, you know, in a good manner and, you know, as you know, me with tactical approach and fitness also learning the difference, but the two sides of social media, you know, you got the social side, but then you got the business side and man, they're two totally different different things. And they're two different mindsets going into that platform. And it's actually helped help me approach those social platforms and the, in the digital um, availability, even differently. 
that's a good way to look at it. that's 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 beautiful the way you put it out like i sat down with my friend ben from sodak horizons and we sat down we talked about we did a, him and uh, jeremy fish from toxin app and we were talking about he was talking about how he's able to build his channel from 15 to 2000 all he's he's approaching he's either hit 10k or is really damn clear close to it and what he ended up doing is that he figured out like he posts three reels a day his stories about nine to 12 long he does a live maybe once a day or every couple of days depending on his his schedule and stuff like that i mean he just they just he made an announcement uh that his they're expecting their third child so which is gonna be pretty cool that's cool awesome that's awesome but if you follow that simple little thing that that strategy right there you'll see your instagram grow and stuff like that and also going out there like and and uh following new people and stuff because it's the only way you're gonna get your name out there because the algorithm is different when it comes down to that one from based off of facebook and such so this cool thing is like you can you can find your core group of people by looking through folks like my my following his following because we all are are very similarly like-minded about health fitness mental health killing big deer you know or just simply just enjoying the time we have outside yeah absolutely and and you know did instagram you know did make a big change a couple years ago so that's been interesting to kind of figure out as well especially if you know we started our our business you know in those couple years where we had to learn that new algorithm change and how they how to make it work but you know just said once you kind of figure out your your flow you know what works for for you man you just just pound it just stay consistent with it and you know for for youtube um i started recently doing you know one to two videos a week and you know i'm a i'm a sunday and wednesday at 6 p.m post like boom on the dot 6 6 p.m post and and if i if i hit that exactly I do pretty good with my initial start for the video and, you know, I see the growth in the channel and it's just being consistent with that. And that's what I found has, has worked for me on YouTube. And I'm sure that might change and alter as I get bigger and, and learn more and whatnot, but that's what I found for me to be working. And getting and getting your hashtags right, your SEO correct, and then going from there. That is a big thing that I'm still learn, struggling with. And so I have a friend of mine that has more uh, knowledgeable on that whole uh, that whole avenue. So it's been it's always been a learning experience, like listening to him talk and like and how to how to get that SEO down so this way you can get that that attraction and getting it all customized and such. And gave me some really good amps. Like if you, let's say you put in uh, elk, just t- type in as a hashtag elk, you're never going to get found. There's just so overwhelmed. You got to be very specific and go like. Austin talks about um, speed goats in Kansas type scenario. You got to be that specific for it. And then you can navigate through the interwebs because YouTube is the second most used search engine. So you got to really got to master, master that right there. Absolutely. And you, you nailed it with, I mean, that SEO stuff is something I've been learning a lot lately and getting a lot better at, which it's in turn, it showed on my, my videos in my ch- channel growth. It's, it's working. So now, you know, you just, I got to stay consistent with it and keep learning because there's so much more that I still have yet to learn about it and, and just keep staying consistent and keep putting videos out. Mm-hmm. That and TikTok does well too. I've, I've gotten some, I've had some pretty good, I've had a few videos, not necessarily go viral, but they've, they've gotten like between 10 to 20,000 people look at them. So that's still pretty cool. So it's like, it's still, it's still considered a town or a big and, city. And- 
Yeah, and, and actually that's something that I've noticed a lot of, of kickback from onto YouTube is from TikTok. And, you know, you, TikTok, you know, they like to censor our hunting stuff, so we got to be very careful about what we put on. Um, but if you edit it correctly, I've actually driven a lot of traffic from, from TikTok, and I've, I've built a very good audience on TikTok as so far. So I'm pretty happy with, with my progress on it. It's just learning how to reach people through the, the censoring that, that they tend to do in the hunting industry. So yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's their censorship of self, self uh, efficiency. And that's something that has been a bit, it's been a, a uh, attack on for the last, I'd say the last 15 years. I've seen, we've seen a massive uptick get with PETA and stuff like that, trying to chip away at self-efficiency because if you if you rewind it back to World War II, where a lot of people had gardens and majority of their yards were gardens, nowadays we have all these massive uh, uh, grow houses and such like that. And if if we start educating people to move towards that, we could we'd see a big change in in our health concerns because you start looking through all the preservatives in that box is like that stuff's all detrimental to your intestines, to your mind, to your your heart. I mean, it has just ripple effect all through the entire thing. I mean, I'm taking multi, I'm taking several vitamins to help out with boosting testosterone, sleeping better, dreaming more. Like I've been taking turmeric with pepper and that's actually been breaking down the calcification of my pineal gland. So my dreams have been coming more and more vivid. And it's almost like I'm getting a more, a reattachment to re, rekindling that, that connection with the, uh, with God. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and that's something that a lot, a lot of people kind of um, look past is the, emotional and mental gain by being living a healthy fit lot lifestyle is i you know if i get off you know quote unquote off plan you know and i i kind of get off you know more higher in sugar or higher in alcohol and just go through a, a phase i you know, i can tell differences in my clarity and you know my energy levels my my sleep is completely different my performance in the gym and physically is just completely different and then I'm like okay I need to reel this in and the moment I come back to what what I need to be doing exercising more regularly drinking water eating better cleaner foods higher pro protein I mean there makes a significant difference and and also you know you know building a business lot like this it's a grind and and if you're not taking care of your body then you're not going to be able to mentally and physically, you know, do what you need to do and put the time into building, building your dream, really. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And with uh, Joe Rogan coming on talking about like sleep, his sleep apnea and such, I wish sleep apnea machines weren't so overpriced because I find that I've, I've, I have one too, and it makes a world of difference in your sleep, your heart rate, your amount of lung pressure, stuff like that. And if it wasn't so like the uh, machines in there between a thousand to $1,800 without insurance. And it's like, it, it makes no sense because they're all made in China. So it's like, it should be much cheaper than that. And, but it's all because the medical industry, because we have a, a sick care system, not a healthcare system. And if more people were able to get on or have one of these, I could see a lot more people being less stressful, healthier, less snoring and stuff like that. It could see a big increase. But granted, it can be kind of cumbersome. But I'll tell you what, Ed, everybody that knows ever gotten one is just a night and day difference. 
and how and how to uh, and how would it, it reacts with your whole system because it's like you're not putting so much work stress in your heart your lungs are working a little bit easier it's forcing that oxygen down there and plus it's like you're just using distilled water you could change out all the material all the materials to keep them nice and healthy and clean because otherwise you can get um uh sinus infections and stuff like if you don't maintain that so which is it's pretty easy to take to, to maintain that up yeah absolutely i mean th- those are those are invaluable to folks that need that i mean sleep apnea is no joke so i mean and you know you need to be able to continue getting that oxygen to your body and and i mean you should be able to get those a lot there's a lot of stuff that goes right back to that that we should be able to get a lot easier and a lot have a lot more available to us than we do so um but yeah that's just one huge example that could be a, a life changer for a lot of guys Oh yeah. Even for women too. It's like, cause, cause, cause uh, women have, they, they, they have, they have their own attributes and stuff like that. And sometimes it can be quite heavy and why not give them an extra support to it and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm all for that, man. Cause it's like, if you, whatever keeps you on two feet, I'm all for it. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. And even look at like, if you look at Joe Rogan, he, this guy is fit. He, he does, uh, jujitsu and taekwondo and and all these different martial arts and he still has sleep apnea and he's a, he's like five foot nine five foot eight he's a, he's an average size dude but it's like even still him being in a peak performer still sleep apnea. so it's the, it's not necessarily a bad thing and it affects it it can affect anybody it's just one of those things that just it's you just never know when it's going to hit you yeah absolutely and you know it some some folks are more predisposed to um, certain conditions that, than others. And, you know, th- just like you said, you know, he's a peak performer. So, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, sleep apnea can come from, can be helped a lot because of weight, weight loss, but, you know, at the same time, just like you said, he's in tip top shape. I mean, it's just the way that, that that's just the card he was dealt. So, you know, he, he needs to be on something like that and help him, you know, maintain life tactical outdoor or tactical approach outdoors where where did this come from what was the catalyst to to drive you to this next level to just to begin a third career so so tactical approach outdoors you know being a a deer hunter you know we all want to one you know like how can we make a living you know deer hunting and and what whatnot and you know we all think about that stuff but you know, talking to a lot of people, I kind of saw that there was a little bit of a gap in the industry. And, and through, throughout the years, that gap's been really filled, you know, through podcasts and the di- digital era where information's become so much more available, where, you know, old articles, there'd be a lot of stuff left out in those articles, you know, I'd say, you know, go, go hunt scrapes, you know, you kill big bucks on scrapes, but why hunt scrapes? Why is this scrape better than this scrape? And, you know, the details and the why about it when, you know, I wanted to something I always did with my horses and with my um, training clients, my um, personal training was I wanted to help present the why, you know, that's how I learned. It's not just go do this. Okay, well, I did this, maybe I saw success, but I don't actually understand why I saw the success. It's just that I saw the success by doing this. When you actually break it down to the why, that's when you truly understand what's happening. And that's what I wanted to build, you know, through Tactical Approach Outdoors. And that's that's always how I've approached my my hunting was it's a very tactical approach. 
You know what I mean? So my approach to the woods, approach to my hunt, there's a reason for it. It's not random by any means. And, and most of the time, there's actually all the time, there's more than one reason why I'm hunting this particular, lo particular location on this particular day, you know? That goes back to my Missouri, my Missouri bucks, you know, here in state, I can be a little bit more picky with when I hunt and whatnot, where I could hold off for that cold front on those bucks. You know, I found immediate fresh sign and I'm, I waited for the cold front, went in and first hunt, I, I ended up shooting them where my, my Iowa buck, you know, I can't make that six and a half hour drive, you know, just on a regular basis. So it's like, I was up there for a week. And unfortunately, the cold front hit later in the week. Now I did see a bunch of deer. I had a couple of encounters with, you know, shoot with a shooter buck, but you know, he came in on the morning of day five, but it was a cold front, you know, that cold front buck. So the cold front came through the day before, really windy, nasty day. And then the next day, you know, dead still that morning, dead still, frost on the ground. And he he came by working scrapes. So you know, there's a reason why I hunt where I hunt and when I hunt it. So that's what I wanted to kind of help folks understand was I wanted to bring that why to people, you know, just because you, uh, this goes a lot, you know, not just for deer hunting, but, you know, sports and coaching and whatnot, just because you can do what, do it and you can do it really well, doesn't mean you can teach it. And, and, you know, that's where you know, there's a lot of folks out there trying, you know, building, building the, those education platforms because they can do it but not necessarily because they actually understand how to teach it and that's you know i wanted to help bridge that gap and, you know and for adults trying to get into it there's a lot of youth programs out there which is amazing you know we want to bring the youth into it but what about those you know those 30 30 year old guys those 40 year old guys that they didn't have that mentor hunting and you know that they may not have that ability to you know, go on a guided hunt and learn from guys in the field where, you know, we're, now that we have this digital age, we've got so much available to, to us. This Zoom call right, right here, you know, you can learn so much from talking to somebody and just, you know, shooting somebody a text message and, you know, hey, what do you think about, about this tree or what do you th think about this blood? And as you, you know, sometimes those immediate answers can make or break a hunt or even recovering an animal so that that's something that that i i saw available and that's what i wanted to help provide is maybe you know maybe i can provide a platform where it'll help guys get into the woods and ladies get get into to the woods a little, little bit more and not be so intimidated because they have this person they can lean on and ask a question you know you know what i mean that's a beautiful approach to the whole process there. And you, like you said, with the digital aspect of it, once you start building your business, you get up there. Like there's, there's a guy that I know that uh, he worked three, three months this year, pulled in 250 grand doing the exact same Ooh. thing you did. That's awesome. That's awesome. But he's also been doing it for 25 years and his only initial investment was like 20, 1500 bucks. And he got to where he's at today. And he, he he's got some, really good insight and in ways he does all the fun stuff. And, uh, you know, he's really, uh, mentored me in a way it's like to really help me 
boost my product because I, sh- I, I support him and he supports me, which is good because having that, uh, the camaraderie, but also being able to like, because people that pay, people pay attention to that stuff. It's like, well, I'm supporting your stuff, but I'm not seeing the same. I, I, he's like, I thought we were friends type scenario. It's like, I thought we were, were all in this together. And it's like, and, be, and I get it. It's like some people just forget or just not, or they, or they just didn't see you pull up in your feed. Cause that's a lot of things is like with, um, with, with Facebook. For certain, for certain people, I want to, I, want, I, would go, I would see, I would be on my Facebook feed, and I would, I would never see their post, never on the thing. It's like this is frustrating. But the way Facebook has gone, and well, how I should say Meta has gone through, and they manipulated the algorithms this way, you're less likely to see it unless you go into that page of settings and actually change those. So this way, it actually shows up. You're not going to see their products, which is so frustrating because I, I, it's like I, I, it's like I'm following you, I like you, like why am I not seeing you? And then I had to go like go actually into the settings and like change those similar to what's going on with Instagram too. It's very deceiving what's all going. Then you have also go wild app, which is, which is doing really well is gaining popularity and it's very well put together. LinkedIn is a sleeper. LinkedIn is a sleeper product that, that not a lot of people really it's underestimated because that one right there, you're actually going to get more of a, audience that you never thought you would be because they're going to be attracted to that. Cause like, well, you're, cause it's all very business professionals. And it's like, you may find some of this like, Hey, this guy's producing content about hunting or, or how to build habitat. And it's like, I'm curious about this. And it's like, this could be something I could think about down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, Facebook, I don't know what they've done with the algorithm, but man, it's that that's a tricky one. I mean, just like you said, you could be, you could completely miss, someone that that you're following and you know you're really not reaching new people on facebook it's tough you you basically when you go to facebook you know you're direct searching a specific company you you know what i mean or brand i'm not really coming across new folks like on instagram and tiktok tiktok has a great algorithm i wish instagram would figure out tiktok's algorithm because however that they've got it figured out they've got it figured out but um, Instagram, at least you're, you're seeing new people. You know what I mean? You're getting to interact with new folks, and especially you start building your page around this, this interest, you know, like podcasting and, and deer hunting and self-filming and whatnot. You kind of see a little, little bit of a, an increase in, hey, you might know that this dude, and you're like, oh, hey, that's, that's kind of sweet. Let me go look at his stuff, and, you know, and you end up finding somebody you want to continue following so at least on instagram you can still find new people and you know reach some new folks but i haven't actually tapped into to linkedin so that, that's a great that's a great idea right there it's a it's a sleeper one because i i don't know if you if you do you, are you familiar with gary v or gary vinderchuk from vander media Yep. Yeah. I actually follow his stuff on, on TikTok. <laughs> oh yeah. I also, I also subscribe on TikTok and also on uh, his uh, podcast too, because there's a lot of good hidden gems in it. Cause he's got so much content out there and his whole thing is just like, don't worry about if you're putting out, if you're, if you're putting out a whole bunch of content, because everybody's going to look at your stuff at different points in time. And you just need to get your, your availability up there and go from there and collaborate and go from, that's just the way to do Go ahead and do it. And I found like, I, like doing lives have really connected me to my audience. And it's just, it would be, it, uh, 
one, it's almost one of those things where it's like, but I'm always so infrequent because it's always based off of my workout. Like today I worked out from four, well, about four fifteen to, to six o'clock. And then I came home, shot for 10 minutes, but it would be nice to be able to like randomly have one of those people like, Oh, it's like the, that you could send an invite. So it's like, Hey, jump on. We can have that conversation for 10, 15 minutes and go from there. Cause that's, that's how you really get that, that, grasping that audience and really getting them to to know who you are now you you've started doing uh you've been doing video and so that so tell us about that journey the, about the self-filming and whatnot yeah all your self-filming and such like because you how long have you been doing it type scenario like what have, what were some of your mistakes you've learned early on and like what are some ways that you can really teach somebody over the over this over during our conversation here man you know when it comes to self-filming, you know, it, that's really gotten huge over the years, and that's awesome and all. And if you're looking into self-filming, one of the things I can say is, you know, it's, it's you can bet that it's going to be one of the most frustrating things that you've probably ever, ever had to do. You know, it's, you know, hunting is, there's enough to it. There's so much going on anyways. And then you add the aspect of now I've got a camera. So not only do am I a, a deer hunter, but I'm a cameraman. So I'm doing two people's jobs at once, and you know that adds weight in your pack, and um, and also you need to make sure that also adds movement in the tree, just a little bit, but it still adds movement because you need to make sure that 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 deer's in frame, he's focused. And, and then, you know, if you're running multiple camera angles, how are you running your camera angle? Where what I, I've learned is, you know, that, so this last year, what I started doing is I ran the fourth arrow outreach arm and I stuck a GoPro on the edge of that, that outreach arm. And basically what, what I put in it was I put in a 400 gigabyte card and I, I, I plugged in an external um, battery pack to it. I let it run all day. I turn it on once and I let it run all day. Admit maybe once I need to change it out to another battery pack, but at least I have one camera running nonstop. So if a deer comes in on me and for some reason I'm unable to get my main camera, you know, around on him on this animal and get the, the shot on film with my main camera, I at least got what was happening from my second angle so i can build the video you know what i mean i didn't lose that video at that point and then i can turn on my main camera get the the interview and then the recovery and i still have enough um supporting foot footage that i've built up through the hunt to build the the video so you know um um last year i was very i stayed very budget i filmed with this little panasonic um, Lumix is a little bridge camera and it did a great job for me. Um, it had the same sensor size, you know, that half inch sensor size as most camcorders did. And I ran a little road micro shotgun mic on it. So like my actual camera setup maybe cost me 300 bucks. So, so I was, a, yeah, I mean, you, you can, you can film with a very budget setup and it did a great job for me. And, you know, I had a, a fourth arrow stiff arm that I used, you know, last year. And last year, I actually moved to the Talon, their Talon base. That Talon is stellar, stellar. So that, that was actually my whole setup um, last year. And it did a fantastic job for me, minus 
the low light situation. So like if you watch my 170, um, it, it you can faintly see the deer. You can you can see the deer, but you can see my lighted knock travel past. But on video, it looks like it was too low light of a situation to even take the shot. When in reality, I had plenty of light to see. I could make an ethical shot on that animal. And obviously I did. I had perfect 20 yard double long. He didn't go 60 yards. So, so I was gathering, my eyes were gathering more light than the camera was. And that's something that I wanted to fix with this, this coming year, year you know, upgrade my setup. And now I'm running a Canon RP, which nice. is a, which is a full frame camera. And you know, I, I I'm I'm now running lavalier mics, and I upgraded to a Rode NTG2 microphone. And basically, what I'm do doing is I'm setting up a I've got a little fifty dollar audio mixer, and I've got both of those those the lavalier mic and the shotgun mic into that audio mixer and then that's going straight into my into my camera so i have no post edit you know of audio so say i run a an audio recorder you know where i would have to actually find that audio and then match it up with the video that lavalier mic is automatically mixing with my shotgun mic already so I'm loving what I'm getting from, from it. And actually one of my most recent videos I did on YouTube, it was of myself filming setup. And I love that, that video because it showed most of the video was actually shot with my Canon RP and it had, you know, fantastic, you know, picture. And, you know, I, I obviously I ran my laugh mic the whole time. So you didn't see a difference in audio, but, um, um, the picture quality was amazing, even with funny lighting, because I was standing in the shade and it was super bright and sunny behind me. You know, it was so hot. I wasn't about to stand the sun <laughs> and, and film and fit, film that setup. So it's very difficult, actually, lighting setup. And then for a chunk of the video, though, I actually went to my original camera. So you could actually see side by side the difference between a more budget camera and a more expensive camera. And it was a significant picture change, significant. That is a good uh, perspective, I think. You did a really good job of breaking all it down. So it kind of puts things into, into an idea. I, I had uh, Johnny Jensen on from Tenacious Outdoors or Tenacious Hunter, and he was talking about his initial hunting step. And he went uh, just to a pawn shop and, and began building piece by piece and slowly upgrading stuff. And, and as his income level changes, you know, allowed him to get some other stuff, but that's a really good way of approaching it. Not that expensive to, to get there, just being able to get the uh, prioritizing your, your money and stuff like getting there. Like I I'm lucky we, here in lacrosse, we have uh BioLife and you can donate plasma and we also have CSL plasma as well. So it's like you donate plasma twice a week, depending on what vendor, it could be a hundred bucks a week right there. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have a lot of options to to get yourself a little extra income and, and get yourself a camera set up. And, you know, it really comes down to what are you trying to get out of yourself filming? Are you trying to create a good video that you can look back on and, and enjoy with your family and friends and maybe throw on YouTube? Or are you truly trying to create something 
nice, something different that's going to require nicer equipment. You know what I mean? So, and that, that's, that's where I'm at with building my channels. I knew that I needed to make the upgrades and yes, I was able to build great videos and, and a lot last year with what I had, I, you know, do, do with what you've got. I'm always that I, I'm a do with what you got kind of guy, you know, you can still make good stuff, even if you don't have that five grand to drop on, on equipment. And, you know, basically last year's videos will be the difference between last year to this year's videos will be the difference between a $300 setup and a $2,000 setup. So I, I, you know, I made the sacrifices that this year to, get this set set up you know i by, by no no means was it just handed to, to me you know what i mean so it's like you make i made the sacrifices that i needed to do to in order to create this setup and i'm so excited to actually get out and truly build more, more videos than what i've you know obviously this interview to style of video th throughout the off season but i'm super pumped this this fall to actually get this new setup out and see what i can do with it that's pretty awesome. So as you're learning all this stuff, where do you, what do you use for a learn, learning source to help you become more efficient using the, your equipment? So th throughout the years, uh, up until till, um, this year, basically what I did was all YouTube, all Google. You know, I, I did, I just, I knew kind of what I needed to know in a roundabout way. And then I just went trying to look for it. I, I listened to guys that were into filming not only hunting filming, but just fi filming in general, you know, cin cinema, cinematography and whatnot and learning what they did and some of the tips and tricks. And, and this year, actually, I was, I was pretty, pretty stoked. I took the online course from Film the Hunt. So that course was worth every single penny that I spent on it and and it they did they had such incredible information on that course and it's helped open my eyes a lot to what i was doing not only kind of confirm what i was doing that i'm like okay you're actually on the right track here you, you're, do, you're doing all right but give me new ideas and say okay this needs to be better right here and which and if you get this better this will set you set you apart and honestly the best thing that I learned when it comes to building videos and as a filmer, because I learned how to edit. And the, the moment I truly learned how to edit and build a video, my filming became more enjoyable. It, it you know, for, for the first few years, it was very kind of frustrating and it wasn't a whole lot of fun. You know, it was cumbersome carrying everything into the woods. It was time consuming, setting more, setting the camera stuff up. She so had more to set up and it just wasn't a whole lot of fun until I learned actually how truly how to build these videos. And once I learned that, my filming became a lot more fun and it actually became more streamlined because now I'm going into this video in my mind. I've already edited the video as I, this is how I want the video to look. And then in the field, I just capture what I need to capture, and then I go from there. So, you, you know, if, say, say it was a hunt, um, so I'm going to use my Iowa hunt for an example because it was a canoe camp. So I, I knew that this canoe camp, this adventure hunt would make a really cool video. You know, who knows if I end up coming out with a deer? Yeah, I, I hope I would. But, you know, 
I at least want to capture as many deer as possible, you know, put together the story of this, you know, what it took to get downstream and, you know, what the camp looked like, um, the story of me scouting that, that, fir that first day, finding the fresh sign and then getting set up on them. You know, I had that encounter with that giant, you know, 13 point on day two and you know, slow for a couple of days, but you've got deer crossing the ri river, you know, behind you. So it's, I knew kind of how I wanted to set up the video. I just needed to now let the woods play out, the hunt play out and, and let the deer tell me kind of how it would end. And it ended up with that day five, I shot a, a, this nice eight point and, and then it was fun. Cause then I had a two and a half mile trip upstream <laughs> to get him out. So that, that added a whole nother aspect also to the vi video. And that's where, you know, it just, in my mind, I already kind of had an idea about how I wanted to build the video and you went from there and, and th those videos are more difficult to build than these, than so an, an interview video. So I have a, say I have a topic I'm wanting to approach. I already have an idea kind of how I want it to look like on the, the editing set side of things and the actual end result. And then I'd actually just get in and it helps me organize my thoughts in a manner it helps me talk you know real smooth and create a nice educational enjoyable video for for you guys to watch for my viewers to watch that's awesome and that's a really good way to do it so what do you got planned for this upcoming season then so i'm pretty stoked because i just drew kansas oh so congratulations yeah so i'm pretty stoked this is my first year hunting kansas so um I've got a, a spot out there that I've got some, some folks that have given me some intel on and I'm going to go out there and do some hunting. Um, obviously Missouri, you know, a lot last year I had an encounter with that. Yeah. I, I bet he was 190 inch, non-typical. And, you know, I saw him an hour before I shot my 170. So obviously I'm, you know, fingers crossed that, that he's still, he's still around and, you know, I'm going to try my darndest to, get on him and make a hunt on him this year so missouri i i've already feel really confident about my, my approach to um kansas is my big tag i got um and then i'm just trying to try fit figure it out from there um kentucky's always an option i hunted kentucky for the first time last year and we had a blast we've never hunted that early in the year you know and that that was a whole nother beast to to go, go after with those, the early September hunt. Um, but, you know, I'm also kicking around Oklahoma because Oklahoma for me, you know, that's a four hour drive and it's a cheap over the counter tag and I can get two archery bucks out of it. So nice. that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. So that, I, that's what I thought, you know, that'd be, you know, an idea with, and with gas prices kind of going the way they're going, I'm kind of going to play it by ear, but for sure, I'm going to be Missouri and Kansas this year. Definitely. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, you can also do over-the-counter uh, uh, mule deer tag on Nebraska, but from what I've heard, Nebraska is kind of a hard state to find a mule deer and to get get on one with a bow and the camera. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's kind of tough on mule deer out there in Nebraska. Um, that'd be a lot of fun hunt. It'd be a great hunt. Um what I've actually kicked around, you know, Nebraska does have that September 1st opener. So, you know, if, if I'm unable to make it to Kentucky this year, maybe I can actually make it to Nebraska, you know, a two hour drive for me, 
you know, in a che- cheaper tag, maybe try to still chase a velvet buck. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's an option. Yes. Yeah, I was North Dakota has a velvet uh, tag too, as well. Uh, I, Minnesota and, and Wisconsin don't, I don't think Illinois does either, but there's a lot of counties here in Wisconsin. You can hunt all the way up until October, uh, January 31st. So you, so you can always start from September. I'm not sure where this September lands here. Let me look at my calendar here. I think this year for September, come on. So it'll be September 17th and 8th. September 17th will open. It should be opening weekend. It's either be September 10th or September 17th will be opening weekend. Then it runs for like where I hunt at. It'll, it'll go up until January 31st. So it's like it, it, you can hunt in those cold, cold weather, the time frame to get out there. So I've, I've really upgraded my equipment to a lot of electrical or electronic uh, um, heater vest. And I've also upgraded to electronic um, heated socks because I I like to hunt in cold weather. And it's like I've kind of got the means to start buying some better equipment. So I went, went that route. There you go, man. Yeah, when it comes to that cold weather, it can be absolutely miserable. <laughs> sit, sit. So, so you, that that's definitely a, the best route to go is to get set up with some stuff to at least make the hunt a little bit more comfortable and able to stick it out. Oh yeah, especially like because of the way I have my bibs that go up and over it, obviously. But it's like if you don't have that, uh, your waistline covered, that cold air gets right up in there. Oh man, it could it could ruin a, a hunt. And if you're if you if you if you can't keep your feet warm, then it's like you're 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 gonna be hating life all day long. And luckily for like for some places like your your areas over there, you could you have several. You can have up to seven thousand acres of land to hunt, so you could walk and keep yourself warm. Here, it's like we can we only have so much room in between property line and property line. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, at least here, you know, I've done that a lot. Lot too is. You know, I'll hunt the morning and I'll get up midday if I'm if I'm not 100% sure about my setup, you know, get get out, do some scouting and try to find the deer and either come right back to my setup for the evening or move move setup. So at least you can I can actually get out and warm the feet up a little, a little bit, get some blood flow going and and so on. Um, and actually something I have been kicking around you know for a future hunt is actually um chasing the rut down to alabama at some point oh yeah so down that, there in january yeah that down there and go, go down there in january and see you know that they still got some rut activity happening down there around that time so we're here in missouri you know we're either done or or it's <laughs> it's not really good hunting on public here but at that time of year so That'd be, you know, an interesting, interesting option to go down and try my luck at. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a friend of mine who lives down there in Alabama. He runs a native sense down there. He does a, a, a authentic doe and buck urine uh, sense driving he started that company a couple of years ago native sense and he's been slowly growing and such but because they were playing around with like taking away the opportunity to use that particular attractant and when they start doing that it's like if the if the the public doesn't get together and start calling them and hounding them to stop doing that. That's when they start chipping away our rights because 
there's some states that you can bait and there's some states you can't, but it's like for those who still keep have it, don't let them take it away because it's one thing they start chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. It's like it becomes very, very frustrating because eventually we're going to take all of our all our rights away. And that's the whole goal. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you want. That's the whole goal to do is to take away our public lands, our guns, and our, and our hunting rights because they want everybody to be self-reliant on that. It's part of the Agenda 2090 uh, perspective because they want to try to weed that from completely – uh, self-sustaining to being completely dependent on the government. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you let, let them take a little bit, how much? Is it, where are they going to stop? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's California. You look at you, you look at California. You know, in that you you'll see how far they'll go, and they'll just destroy everything. Now they have to bring in professional hunters to kill the mountain lions, the bears. And it's like you don't you you can't use dogs to go after either species. And good luck trying to track them down because they're very very stealthy. They're, they're predators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a friend of mine that I had on my last on last week's podcast that he uh, is in Idaho and he he hunts. I can't remember what what unit he hunts in, but their their bear season runs until uh, July because it's so high high up there. They they still have snow up there, and so not all the bears are awake yet. So it's like he he did nine miles uh, yesterday and didn't see anything. Wow, that's crazy. That's that's that would be a crazy hunt. That'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a uh, he hunts rifle up there for bear and stuff. But he's also on top of that has a sidearm as well because you never know what when when things can go sideways. Hundred um, percent. Also, your your buddy down in Alabama is he going planning on going to the World Deer Expo in August? Is that? In, I don't know if he will or not because he's he's kind of he's he's kind of got the 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 uh what's i'm looking for the people that buy from him he's got his dealerships he's pretty much got all this stuff taken care of so it's like going to the uh the shows are not really up his alley anymore because he's got the he's got the enough following to do it he did it at the beginning of his company to try to drive traffic and such but he's got enough traffic it's not necessary that's and awesome the, yeah and the, and the roi really isn't there yeah yeah i hear you yeah no I, we're, we're actually um um we've got a booth so we're, we're gonna be going down there and in august and um meeting a whole bunch of people and trying to network and get our name out there that'd be that's pretty exciting man. so that's in august right is that middle or late august um august 12th through 14th okay because here we have uh deer fest that's in west or eastern wisconsin and stuff like that that's that's one of our it's one of our last big events because we we have our uh, open seasons i uh, deer and turkeys classic that's in march and then we then we go entire year with the rest of the year without any, anything deer related we did there's a few things to go after pike and muskie and and some bass fishing and stuff throughout the season but then our next big deer thing is deer fest yeah, yeah, I was having trouble finding, you know, any kind of late, late summer um, deer expos. So I found that this one is like there's a, a great booth of it available on that on, you know, on the first hall on that main level. So I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, at least now the, the listeners have something to look forward to in August for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Austin, man, this has been an awesome podcast. You laid out a lot of good information. You really took the the this the fact the, the scarcity or the, the being scared about jumping into doing the 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 filmed hunts so that's a really good way to break down and like discussing what you went through and what you learned to get to where you are to this for this upcoming season so you're it sounds like you're gonna have some really good footage 
yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I wanted to make sure I got my camera early enough in the year that I had plenty of time to practice, you know, work out the kinks, get, get to know the camera, because the last thing I want to do is have, you know, have a big shoot shooter buck in front of me and me not be 100% confident and fluid with my camera. And as I, you know, building a channel, you know, having that, that shot is is not end all be all but it it's pretty crucial to making it making it happen and it just adds to the value of the film so you know i wanted to make sure that i had plenty of time to practice plenty plenty of time to learn the camera and if there was something that i need to needed to tweak or to fix in my setup anywhere i had plenty of time to figure it out and and be ready for this for this year Amazing. So what's the best way to get a hold of you, Austin? Um, if you look up Tactical Approach Outdoors on Instagram, YouTube, and um, TikTok, I have a fit Facebook book as well. But mostly, if you look, look me up on, on Instagram and YouTube, you will, you will find me there, and I'm very active. And if you want to shoot me an email, um, tacticalapproachoutdoors at gmail.com. Any kind of questions you have about you know, public land hunting or self-filming, I'd be happy to answer them for you. Awesome. Thank you, Austin, for coming on the podcast. You're just a wealth of knowledge, and I'm looking forward to watching your company just grow and grow. I appreciate you having me on, Jeff. I had a good time. Thank you, sir.